This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Warden's Watch Wild, where we talk to wildlife professionals. Brought to you by the Village Gun Store, Whitefield, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch Wild. On this episode of Warden's Watch Wild, I am speaking with Lee Cantor, moose biologist for the state of Maine, which if I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, but Maine has the largest moose population in the lower 48 states. Sounds good. How do you compare to Alaska? I mean, is it like half, quarter, do you know? I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, obviously Alaska is a big state, so it's a it's a difference between the number of moose versus densities. You know, we have higher densities in areas than Alaska has, mm. but they're smaller, much smaller areas. So. And we were talking why earlier, why Maine has such a great moose population and moose densities in certain areas as well. Will you share that with our listeners, Lee? Because I thought it was eye-opening to me too. It's, it's interesting because in the moose world, and this is not to say anything good or bad about wolves, but in the moose world, people think about managing moose with wolves around and managing moose where there's no wolves. It's, it's pretty simple math. And where there's wolves, you know, wolves eat adult moose. They can take down adults and they certainly can gobble up plenty of calves. That's the way life is. If you don't have wolves in your system, then moose can potentially grow like a deer population. They can just keep growing to beat the band until as long as there's enough habitat to support it. So you go over to the Northeast 
uh, New England and southern southern Canada, meaning south of the St. Lawrence, and you're living in a system of, of moose where there's no wolves, uh, there's no predation of adults, and moose have done pretty good up until the point where we started to have, you know, shorter winters and winter ticks really took off and have been really hammering our young moose. It's the, the winter tick is kind of like the microscopic wolf. It acts the same way. It can kill and take a lot of young calves. It just doesn't eat them. Mm. Oh, very, very interesting. And our, our paper industry, I shouldn't even call it our wood industry too, it has a, has a big effect on that too, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it's, it's why, you know, we were saying earlier, a lot of people who, who've never been in northern Maine think of it as wilderness, but it's not. It's a working forest, and there's a lot of pride in that, and it's been that way for a long time, commercial forest land, um, short rotational forestry, so we don't, we don't grow, they don't grow trees and let them grow too old, and they cut them, and all, the, all that rotational wood is just creating new moose habitat. Uh, across the landscape that's about we have about 16,000 square miles of moose habitat wow. which is larger than the state of New Hampshire um, and that's good moose habitat and so that's why we have it like that and southern Quebec and northern New Brunswick is is very similar in some places as far as that dynamic of lots of forestry no wolves etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh. And I certainly want to mention in 2019 that you were recognized internationally as the distinguished moose biologist. And I just want to read something from uh, Peter Peekins, who is a professor with UNH and has been forever and is uh, probably one of the leading uh, wildlife biologist professors in the country. I'm going to say that. But uh, he said Maine has the most progressive and scientific moose management program in the United States. And Lee is the engine that drives that. So, and he's most deserving of this award. And for, for, Pete, to say that, I'll tell you, that's, that says a lot. And I, I love to hear progressive because things are constantly changing in all kinds of worlds. And if you're not up on that progressiveness or the new science, the new technology, then, then you're lagging. And it sounds like you're, you're, you're cutting on that technology. Well, I mean, it was, that was awfully nice of Pete saying all that stuff. And Pete's, Pete was, was the engine that drove everything moose-wise in the Northeast. And that doesn't get spoken of enough. Pete also had had gotten that Distinguished Moose Biologist Award as well as Christine Rines, which speaks a lot to the Northeast and speaks a lot to New Hampshire. I mean, let's face it, that's a huge deal. And I remember Pete's work going back into the early 90s on moose that really set the stage for everything. And one thing that people don't realize is the number of students that Pete had that operate in the Northeast as professional biologists right now. And if, if people connected those dots, they'd be blown away by his influence. That'll be around for a long time. And that's huge. As far as, you know, progressive and all that, I mean, the bottom line with what I do is that I'm, I simply want to get stuff done. And, and it's great to get acknowledged for that. Like, I, you, you got you to keep moving forward. You can't, as you said, things change, but things change on the ground and in the woods, especially in our system. Um, and yeah, there's new technology and, and things, but you, you can't sit around for three, four, five years doing the same thing. You got to evaluate it and say, hey, it doesn't work. We, we just got rid of our moose hunter survey by moose hunters, which was a survey that if you, we've had it for decades. And some guys don't want to let stuff go because we've been doing it for decades. Mm. Well, it doesn't mean it. So what? Yeah, we've been doing it for decades, but it doesn't tell us anything. Yeah. So let's not waste any time on that. You know, we're right now we've done nine years of collaring moose, which we started because 
really because of New Hampshire. And I'm, I'm just, it's just the truth, which is both Christine and, and Pete had done all this work. And then in the 2000s, you guys had collared moose and set the stage for all of the information we know. And then in 2014, New Hampshire and Maine joined up with the same capture crew to offset costs. Mm. And we, we spent the next five years doing work on adult cow and calf survival. And we've continued our work uh, for a number of reasons, but man alive, I mean, we just, uh, we, we've just been so fortunate to have that partnership with, with New Hampshire, both the University of New Hampshire and Fish and Game that, that we owe a lot to them. Oh, it's been very neat. And through my tenure, I've certainly seen the height of the moose population, the, the demise of it, not even, I shouldn't even say demise, but probably the correction because I think we are such a smaller state that we're not constantly cutting wood. And where we do cut wood, the moose migrate to those areas to feed. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's more moose out there than people think, which is the bottom line. But when you say that, you get yourself into trouble because, boy, it's like, it's like watching the Patriots or something. Everybody wants to argue and be an armchair referee. And, and I get that. We're all human. Yeah. And uh, we like to argue, you know, you know, I'm from a better town than you or whatever. It's, it's the American <laughs> way, I guess. But, you know, we flew one of the big things that maybe maybe Pete's referring to is that we've been doing aerial survey work for over a decade. Mm. And, and we do that by helicopter and helicopter only. We're fortunate to have that resource because our sister organization, Agriculture and Conservation and Forestry, has a fleet of, of aviators, both fixed wing and, and rotary aircraft. And when I came, moved back east, as they say, from the West Coast and Washington State out west because of the big country, we, we, we have to fly out there to get stuff done. And so... Uh, one of my buddies here, Brad Allen, who's in charge of the birds, game birds and birds in general, kept telling me I should go check out the Forest Service, Maine Forest Service, because they have uh, aircraft and you guys could do something. And I kept putting it off and finally went over there and we, we managed to talk a lot. And, and absolutely, we got, a, we got an aerial survey program going and been doing it for a long time. But what I was going to say is two years ago, we took Henry Jones with us, who's yeah. your new New Hampshire moose biologist, who worked for us and we took them up on a flight where we sex and age moose, bull cows and calves, which is something that it's one of the few species you can do that with in the wintertime when the antlers come off. All female moose have a white vulva patch on their rear end, which tells you it's a female. Uh, 99% of uh, moose with that patch are females. Every once in a while, there's a male that shows up with the patch. But anyways, even when the antlers fall off and you can get right above them in a helicopter, less than 200 feet above ground level, and you can sex and age moose, like bam, bam, bam. And in Maine, we do about a, we do a minimum of a hundred of those takes us two hours. And we feel like that gives us a good sex age ratio for that management district. Well, a few years ago, we flew over and picked Henry up in Rangeley and flew that New Hampshire Maine border. And we got into a pile of moose. We also got into a blizzard, which is, in a helicopter is, is not bueno. Yeah. And that got ugly fast. So we had to go fly back to Rangeley above the treetops, very uncomfortable, dump Henry off and go home. But I flew there the next year and we were up in that corner between New Hampshire, Maine and Quebec on the main side. And I'm telling you what, there was a lot of moose there and that's not easy country for anybody to access, but a lot of moose. No, that's, that's for sure. And Henry is a dynamic individual that I'm looking forward to him. I'm certainly glad he got that position with New Hampshire and uh, certainly will carry the, the, 
the torch that Christine left here. So that, that, that's great yeah. to hear. So, and very neat. Cause that's, that's my country. That's, that's, you know, right in my backyard. And I certainly see that I've seen moose, I think develop, especially with the ATVs, what used to be a woods road becomes a, a, a busier ATV road. And now they were staying away from areas that they used to probably frequent. Uh, they're, they're, I, I think they're learning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I'm sure moose have some behavioral adaptations as far as, you know, their comfort level with things. Everybody always likes to say that, that moose get learned from people shooting at them. I don't know how that works because if you get shot at and you're dead, you're not going to learn anything. Dead. <laughs> but having, having other things around, I mean, moose are, a, moose are a funny critter. You know, it's like some, some moose can be fairly assertive, aggressive, and many of them can be pretty mellow. It just depends on the moose. But We've done aerial surveys where we pe- we see people snowmobiling up a road and we see moose, you know, not a hundred yards in the wood, just standing there looking over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's amazing is, is even with aerial surveys and helicopters is that, you know, an animal that can weigh hundreds and hundreds of pounds, you know, 800 pound animal, they can still hide in the woods and they can still hide in the woods in the Northeast because it's thick woods. And, you know, any of your, your game wardens who live out West or in more open country, who've never experienced it up here, it's a different ball game, right? Between living out West and in the Midwest and the East. And um, you can get into some thick stuff and a moose, even something that big can disappear pretty quick. Oh, no doubt. My, my closest interaction with the moose was probably 12 feet as I was watching the cow hunting and he stepped out from a whole bunch of fir trees right adjacent to me. And that was, uh, yeah, unnerving because yeah. I had no clue he was there. He had no clue I was there, but I was watching that yeah. cow, you know, probably 30 yards away feeding and all of a sudden you're here to step, step. And I'm like, oh, whoa, we are, we are close. How about any of your interactions? Any curious? I mean, you must've had some decent moose interactions. You didn't jump out of the helicopter and lasso them like uh, those cowboys do, do you? No, <laughs> no, we, well, we leave, we left that up to a professionals, you know, flying and doing that, but we spent one of the, one of the unique things we've done here that literally hasn't been done anyplace else, at least legally hasn't been done anyplace else is that we, we caught moose in the water, um, which is a unique thing to Maine. And, and so when we started our work in 2014, catching adult cows and calves, we realized pretty quickly that, you know, if we lost a few adults mortality wise, and we need to put some more callers out, we can't call up the guys from New Zealand and say, Hey, can you jump over the pond here and catch five moose for us? You know, that's quite an expense. So we had to develop and learn ways to do it ourselves. And back in the 1980s, if you ever Googled the show Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, uh, there's a segment in there on on a couple of main lakes up north where uh, old Jim Fowler's out there with the biologist and they, they catch a moose in the water by cutting the moose into the water. The moose is swimming. They literally put a lasso, a rope on it and uh, get it close to the boat and are able to ear tag and collar it. So we started doing that. We had one, one spot in Western Maine, which was our honey hole. Uh, we probably caught about 25 moose in there. Uh, cool. And yeah, I have a lot of stories about that, about being up close and personal with a moose right next to my boat. That's actually attached to my boat by a rope. We enjoyed that quite a bit, but you know, it's also what we did for work and uh, we, we learned quite a bit. It's something that people I think don't understand a lot, which is, you know, biologists or scientists, we get called lots of four letter words, you know, all the time and all that. And we, people think we like to sit behind a desk and, and chew out stats and all that, but there's also a lot of 
biologists that like to get out in the woods and you learn a lot as, as all game wardens know, as you learn a lot because you are out in the woods and you may not be able to say something with, you know, statistical, whatever, but there's so much that we learn. And when we're catching moose in the water, you know, we're spending, we're getting out there at O'Dark hundred, we're out on the water, we're watching, listening, we're basically stalking a moose so we can sneak up to it. And so we learn a lot about moose behavior and what moose do during the summertime and watching them feed and everything. And then we go and drive our boats over and catch them and, and learn a lot about the good, bad and the ugly that, you know, you can't, you can't write a paper on. I don't want to anyways, but you can, you can learn a lot. You know, we're fortunate to be able to do that because in that particular pond that we worked in, there was a lot of moose. And so that's the other thing when all the naysayers out there, well, there's no moose. Well, you could go out there one day, Wayne, in your boat one morning, the day after me and see zero moose. And I could go out there the next day and see 17. So sometimes it's just the luck of the day. Yeah, no, no doubt. Did you ever have a moose get its footing while you had him last oh, week yeah. with the boat? That's, that's when I would think it would get interesting. Well, so, so we learn, we learn the hard way, which was, you know, the collars, as you know, are usually a, a nut and bolt system. And so you got to screw them on mm. and, you know, clearly I'm not the brightest guy, but we knew that we had to have a system where we're not going to catch a moose in the water and screw on a nut and bolt. Right. And our predecessors had a system where they basically had a hook and loop system. We developed something a little different, but on our first attempt with a collar, uh, my buddy and I were on our, we were, we're in a canoe and we had a little uh, small horsepower motor that we would turn on a little, little motor once we're engaged with the moose before you engage, you got to paddle and you got to do it silently. Anyways, we had three moose. And one of the things we forgot about was you got to watch the moose and make sure it's swimming, but you also got to make sure it's swimming in an area where if it stops swimming, it's deep enough so it can't touch bottom. And long story short is uh, we got on this moose. I had the lasso on it. It was attached to my boat. The other thing I did, which was really stupid, is I decided to use my muscle to try to pull her towards me and hold on to her. And of course, once you start, as you can imagine, trying to pull on a moose, uh, they don't like that. And she did not like that. And she could touch bottom. And so we, we, we proceeded to have quite a little bit of a rodeo. And, you know, she's going up and down and I'm trying to bear down on her more, which was absolutely numb. And then the hook and loop system we had was the, the loop was so small and the latch was so small that I'm trying to get it on her and I can't do it. We, and we're fighting and fighting. And then she smacked me with her head and right in my hands and blah, 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 blah. Collar goes right oh. in the water, lost, lost the collar. So we, we start, we let, we have a quick release. We let the moose go. She starts swimming off and Scott looks at me, picks up another collar in the boat and goes, Hey, we have another collar. So we quickly went after her again. We, we got her again. I can't use my hands anymore. My hands are like lobster claws because they're so numb. He comes over. He's able to get the collar latched, lets her go, and she swims off. And then we just look at each other exhausted. And Scott turns to me and looks, and he goes, you know, I don't think there's anything worse we could have done. Like, like, like it was the dumbest thing. And, and I said to him, it was, it was all my fault. He had nothing. He got the latch on. But I was stupid because I'm trying to – I'm using the gunnel of my boat to bear down on this cow. So anyways, we learned a couple, we learned three lessons. One is make, we would literally look at each other when the moose was swimming and we're next to it saying, can she touch? Is she swimming? Is there any, uh, is she churning up vegetation? 
okay, she's good. Number two, we revamped our collar so that you could literally swing your hands with that latch and it would connect. And so there was, it was kind of a no brainer system. So that was number two. And number three, which was you don't, you need to use any physical force. You put the rope, you could lay that rope around the neck and then you can drop the rope. And then the moose is swimming next to you because it's not feeling the rope. And then when you're all ready to collar it, you could pull her to you gently, literally. And then she's still swimming next to you. You put the collar on her, you ear tag her. We got this down to a science of about two minutes of touching that moose and then we could release her. So the, the one bad day we had, we learned so much from mm. that we never had that issue again. One of the guys came back and we were able to have him scuba dive real quick. And he, he got the other collar that we dropped in the water. We awesome. put that one out too. No harm, no foul, but yeah. sometimes you got to learn from your mistakes the hard way. Uh, absolutely. Boy, thanks for sharing that. Cause I, I found that very engaging and I, I knew well, a lot it's a of longer, it's a lot longer story than that, but uh, that was the gist of it. Yeah, no, I, and I could feel you because I, I absolutely, I you know, <laughs> just sneaking up on the moose. I mean, you 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 got some paddling there going on and uh, lots of things. And uh, yeah, that first time, what a what a great experience. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't say first, a great experience, but a, it's a great story. <laughs> well, the first time we did it, the guy who was a grad student told us that he did it by canoe and he got to the point where they could use a canoe or kayak and, and were pretty effective even without a, a, a motor. And the first year we did it, we did it the previous year without collars. We caught the caught a moose just to say we could do it. And it was so easy that it kind of blinded us. And so the next year we ran into problems when we actually had the collar. But we all we also we went the other way of this guy, which was we we found that we also engaged with a we had a 16 foot uh, lawn boat with like a 20 horse motor. It might've been a little bit bigger and we could get on that lake and see a moose just at the end of our, our binocular range. We could see a moose swimming across the water. And because we had a big motor on the boat, we could literally zip down the water and we have video of this and get right on that moose and then collar it in two minutes and be done. We could never have done that with the canoe and the smaller horse. You know, we could have seen the moose from all that distance, but by the time we got to it, it would, it would have crossed that area. So we actually were able to be quite successful with a bigger boat as well. You know, we just had to watch. We had to know that body of water well because a lot of submersibles there. Yeah, I, I bet. Thanks for really sharing that. And is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about moose uh, in a wrap-up? Well, we could spend a whole month on this. I know we um, could. I, we might have to go back you know, to it. I, <laughs> you know, the, the, the nice thing about, you know, doing our work was what I call kind of the side benefits, which is like, you know, we've collared 735 moose in the last nine years as part of our work in three different management districts in northern Maine. And so there's the basic stuff where we're finding our rates of mortality, annual mortality of cows and calves, especially overwintering calves and the detriment that winter tick has done. And we got excellent science to do that. Mm. Of course, the side benefits have been that we've been out in the woods doing this. And so, you know, unfortunately, you know, I've participated in hundreds, and I mean that, of necropsies of moose. So we've learned a lot from taking apart moose that most biologists don't get that experience. You know, maybe they do a few, but you know, we've become experts by default where we've gone out there, we, we weigh the moose, we take it apart. We learn what what is something that's, you know, pathology and what's normal. 
And some of that is just because we've done so many of them together, me and a couple of the field biologists that we know what we're looking at. We know what looks mm. different than other times. And, you know, of course, in the summertime, based on what New Hampshire's work did, we did the walk-ins on cows with calves, trying to sneak in on them. So you can imagine when you've done this for, you know, seven years plus, you know, you get a lot of that experience that, you know, similar to what game wardens have, who spent a lot of time in the field as you, you're using your eyes and ears, putting all that together. And, and it's, a, it's a huge benefit to do that. And then you dab in some science with it that we do. And uh, I think that's where Pete thinks and says that we got a progressive program because we, we take a lot of action and are trying to get things done. Yeah, well, that's, that's great to hear. And geez, thanks for joining us and uh, sharing all that good information on moose. And we're going to do a, a couple different moose series. We're going to have um, Alex A. Uh, Sarah uh, actually uh, join us as well, talk about the ticks and stuff. Uh, he did a lot of work on the tick study and uh, and then an outdoor photographer that just specializes in moose. So it's going to be a, a good little moose series, I think. So, But thanks for kicking it off, Lee. And uh, yeah, outstanding. Exactly. I really appreciate this conversation and I've enjoyed it immensely. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Wayne. I appreciate it. Welcome to Warden's Watch Wild where we talk to wildlife professionals. Brought to you by the Village Gun Store, Whitefield, New Hampshire. I'm your host, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and this is Warden's Watch Wild.